Hello and welcome back to Why We Move from Do More Movements. Today's guest is Jamie Amor. Um, so Jamie, before we get into Cosmic Kids and all the good work you do there, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you became Jamie from Cosmic Kids? Yeah, um, well it's nice to be on. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, so I um, became Jamie from Cosmic Kids, talking my, about myself like I'm not here but I am. Um, so I was an actress for many years and I, in between my acting jobs, I would entertain at kids' parties and um, I would often find in the kids' party when I would tell a story uh, that the kids weren't necessarily 100% engaged just with me sitting there, even though I was dressed up like a very wonderful princess or fairy, it just wasn't enough, that I had to do something physical to get them engaged. So I would usually, in my story, um, tell the kids that a witch was coming and that we would be able to stop the witch in her tracks if we knew these five special moves. And the minute that the kids had some jeopardy presented to them and the idea that they could do some special moves, like some sort of superhero stuff, uh, in order to stop a witch from stealing all the fairy dust, they were totally bought in. And I thought, great, this, is, this works. This really works, this whole like getting the kids to move. And it was also, I mean, yoga was a kind of beating heart all the way through my, my life. I mean, my mum was an aerobics instructor and took me to yoga classes and took me to all sorts of different exercise classes as, through the 80s and 90s. And so um, yoga was, was something I was doing quite a lot of generally, just to stay okay, like stable, grounded, but also fit when I was living in London. And I was doing a lot of Bikram yoga, hot yoga and that just really keeps you strong and, you know, quite, quite centered as well. And um, yeah, and I would just, yoga poses just felt like the natural thing to, to use. And because they're all related to things in nature, whether it's cats or dogs or, you know, even boats and things that you have around you, they're all relatable things that kids can understand and grasp. And the movement that you do in yoga generally looks a bit like that thing that the kids recognize. So they immediately relate to it and get it so it was just the obvious thing. And I guess through doing the parties and then, you know, taking a bit of a turn in terms of my like career, deciding I wasn't going to be an actor anymore, diving more into yoga. As I was training to be a yoga instructor, it was so obvious to me that it could just be much more of a kid's thing. And at the time I was running a cookery club in a, in a school in Henley and um, the, got talking to the head teacher and he was like, well, I was telling him about what I was doing with the yoga and really sure that there could be a an after school club that would work. And he was like, well, give it a go. You know, we can we can do it if you want, because I'm sure the parents would love it. So, yeah, wrote the letters to all the parents. They were up for it. And then one class led to two, led to four, led to five and so on. And then, um, yeah, after a few years of doing like, a lot of teaching in a lot of different schools and a lot of kids parties, it was Martin, my husband, who basically said, why don't we film this? Because the future is video, for yeah. one. Let's be independent. Let's build something on the internet that doesn't require us to show up in yeah. order to earn a living. Like, you can you can manufacture that. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, and back to my kind of acting days, called an old friend who's a cameraman. He came down and helped to shoot you know, some of the yoga stories that I was doing in my, my after-school clubs. And, um, yeah, we posted them to YouTube in 2012 and then just sort of thought, 
well, let's just keep doing it because teachers like it, kids seem to like it, and that's it really. It's just sort of been one thing after another. So yeah, and it's here we are still doing it 10 years later. And when you were first putting those yoga stories together, I guess you were getting real-time feedback from all the kids. They were either exactly. screaming or crying or exactly. laughing or getting involved. How much of that was yoga and how much of that was acting and play and where did presumably there's no hard lines no it's a real harmony thing the whole um telling a story having a narrative I mean the narrative is actually just a really nice way of doing a sequence you know uh, one of the hardest things I always found teaching yoga to grown-ups was remembering your sequence and like all the stuff that you've got going on and and actually having a story through which to do it means it, it you know what you're doing you know what happens in the story and what what goes and what order it goes in um so that's sort of just a really neat way of sequencing it and and I just used to love the fact that you could you could almost write a story from the point of view of um is this an interesting story or how does this work from yoga moves point of view you know oh I've I found there's a there's a lion let's do our lion pose and we're right at the bottom of this tree it's an enormous tree let's do our tree pose we climb up the tree and there's a monkey let's do our monkey pose and it all just kind of you can almost evolve a story, like build a story out of the yoga poses or vice versa. You can kind of look at it the other way and go, let me build a story, which I know has yoga poses, you know, in its beats um, and see what where it goes. You know, so it's just like a, like a vocabulary almost of story writing. And yeah. when you're putting those stories, because you're constantly putting out new content as as you know, you've got mm-hmm. your subscribers on your app and trying to get new people and things like that and get new kids engaged. How do you put those stories together? What comes first? Do you look at it from a yoga perspective and think, right, well, would be good to get these kind of movements involved? Or do mm-hmm. you look at it from the story perspective and say, right, well, let's imagine there's a talking monkey and mm. how do we get the yoga involved yeah. and things from that? I usually do sort of start with a character, a character that I know has a good yoga pose that attributes to it, but also around that character, it's got an environment and a, a kind of home life that um, that can then lead to stories. And I very much anthropomorphise those characters and they're usually animals, you know, because usually things that are in yoga are from the animal world, from nature. So um yeah, I'll take a character and then and, and build out a story from that. But the environment will usually dictate it. And generally what I follow in a yoga story is that there's a kind of limbering period. There's a sort of warm-up bit. And that's usually me and the kids going, getting ready, warming up to go on our journey, to go and meet our friend Lulu the Lion Cub or whatever in Africa. And so there's a period of every beginning of every story when it's like a story I've written where it's warming up, it's preparing for our journey, it's packing a picnic or a suitcase with all the bits and bobs we're going to need. Then it's travel, so there's some mode of transport to get there. Then there's this kind of meeting our friend who has a a problem. And usually there in the problem is something that the kids will relate to. And that's where I will layer in a kind of takeaway lesson that I know I'm trying to deliver to the kids. So in Lulu's case... Her brothers have been really, you know, making fun of her because she can't roar properly. And so she's been getting frustrated and she's been taking it out on others. So there's a kind of very linkable thing there to what a lot of kids might feel. And then I'll weave that in. So it's like, oh, Lulu goes and asks her friend Mindy the monkey if she can help her, <laughs> you know, with her roar. Because yeah. Mindy's really good at going, you know, so surely she can help her. 
And um, and then so we meet Mindy and then that doesn't work and she ends up taking her anger out on Mindy and then she meets Ernie the elephant and Ernie's not, because he's good at trumpeting, but she doesn't like the fact that he can trumpet louder than her and all of those issues that kids will experience are just plaster onto the kit onto the characters of the story in order that the kids won't feel like they're being told how to be or what to do but they are kind of they're learning a little lesson as they go about huh how would I deal with this and and how do you is there a process where you try and manage the balance between the yoga and the movement and the the activity and the getting the benefit from being physical Mm. and that kind of wellness mental health kind of yeah. educational message as well yeah I think that because I, I take the story the story sort of does the heavy lifting for me and it, as it were for the feeding in the messages and the lessons that the kids are going to take away the real trick is is the dance between keeping that narrative going playing all the characters making all the voices and then also just describing what you're doing physically all the way through so that you're keeping the kind of yoga instructions Jamie, Jamie's moving her arms and legs um, around. Yeah. Her. So we sit down, <laughs> we stick our legs out, reach our arms up and take them wide and twist to the side. And you're just giving this running commentary all the time on what you're doing physically. And that that's like a bedrock of instruction that the kids can can get. So they're all... And I always say at the beginning of my stories, like just copy the moves and enjoy the adventure. You know, that idea is just, and if you kids know that, and it's really clear, simple instruction, they go, oh, okay, cool, I can do that. So the emphasis is on play and there, there is, whether you do it right or wrong, the, the benefit yeah, is doing it. Definitely. And doing it again a week later or the next day and exactly. practicing. And, and building a habit. Yeah. Exactly. And also not necessarily, it's not all about perfect moves and accuracy when kids are like five or even younger you know you can't expect kids to do that but you can actually build your poses from the ground up as you would with a an adult's yoga class and get them into those poses pretty pretty accurately but with the yoga I'm always using kind of the basic level poses which are very achievable for everyone the whole point is it's got to be achievable because kids have to come away from a from a kids yoga class going I did that yeah. And it was good, and I was good in it, you know. Otherwise, they won't come back again and do it again. So, confidence is a big part of it, I think. And you, you have the kids. I guess you, you, you have them for a window of, you know, four to eight or nine or mm-hmm. whatever it is. There is obviously, and that's a kind of key developmental period of their life, and mm. they're very impressionable and things like that. What are the, the key messages around the physical side as well as the kind of more mental and educational side that you try and get across is there kind of three or four key things that you try and weave into every story or or is it kind of different and varying yeah I mean the main thing that I try and thread through every story is just the fun of it the the joy of moving like it's lovely and great to feel your body in all these brilliant positions and also sometimes to kind of like notice when you're in a position, how does that feel in your body? Just to try and bring the kids' attention to their senses and their awareness. Because I think that, again, is one of the brilliant things about yoga. It's a brilliant thing about generally any movement that you do in a kind of slow, controlled way. You've got an opportunity to actually engage your mind in something. And I think that's such a fundamental part of of it and, and what makes kind of kids build a kind of relationship with movement and with their bodies over time is that they they appreciate what's happening and they feel it and they notice it and then the other thing that I always make sure is in there is some relaxation is some calm because I think 
kids generally have got kind of quite their, their energy levels are off the charts sometimes obviously it's brilliant They've, they're amazing little bundles of of energy but what's great for them is just to know that there's a sort of dial and that they've got all of these different levels of energy available to them and I think sometimes you know it's either they're asleep and they associate that with being bored or boring or you know being kind of told to go to bed or something negative but actually you can just be calm and you can relax and you can just enjoy that state you know and presumably that does quite appreciated by parents exactly yeah <laughs> I think that one does go down quite well exactly especially and it, but it also goes down for a lot of those kids who may not be like the, the most fans of PE yeah. you know a lot of those kids who aren't that into their competitive sports and stuff like that I think quite enjoy the fact that there is no there's no competition there's no judgment there's no it's there's all no winners inclusive. and losers it's, exactly yeah, it's just me in my body doing my thing and presumably it's very different to the typical primary school yeah PE running around yeah bit exactly of, bit, of, bit of running bit of jumping and stuff like that but yeah. often quite competitive and exactly sports yeah and, things like that. and it doesn't suit all the kids and I, I remember in lockdown um when I was like, you know, all of our stuff sort of blew up because everyone was obviously at home doing all of the, doing as much as they could through through the internet, through the TV or whatever, trying to keep the kids active. And obviously Joe Wicks was doing his thing. But I had so many people get in touch who were saying, as soon as we put Joe Wicks on, my, my kid kind of recoiled because they're just not, they don't like PE yeah. in general. And that's not their fault or anything, but, you yeah. know, they might be just not that into it. And so the fact that there was this alternative that, you know, was coming through with Cosmic Kids was something that a lot of parents were like, thank, thank goodness that was there because then they had a means of actually staying active that didn't involve them sort of getting that feeling again of... <laughs> and how do you enjoy teaching kids compared to the teaching I know you don't teach adults now but mm. when you were doing your training presumably there was periods yeah. when you were and things like that how do they differ as students and yeah it's and, a cha <laughs> and what are the challenges between the two I feel like well you get you get a lot of um I feel like adults take themselves obviously a lot more seriously so you get a kind of class where everyone's very mm, in there in their space doing their thing and that's great you know that's often what yoga is about it's a yeah. bit of a kind of self-commune thing but it can be very serious oh it can be very serious and it can be a bit <laughs> of an atmosphere sometimes yes. you just sort of feel like sort of going going around everyone yeah. and giving them a bit of a shake yeah. and it's okay not to be kind exactly of... and I've I've got a brilliant yoga teacher Jeff who um he basically starts most of his yoga classes where we do a kind of full tai chi like and qigong slapping clapping kind of like get really and jiggling around and yeah. jumping up and down and like just like poof, shake you can't out really yeah. takes off that seriously exactly you're jumping and slapping yourself yeah exactly and you're yeah. wiggling your, your you know your jaw around and you know everything <laughs> it's just it's a really lovely freeing exercise and i feel like a lot of grown-ups in their kind of beginning part of doing any sort of exercise probably just need to kind of throw themselves about a bit and get into that get into a bit of a playful state. And that is the fundamental difference between kids is just they are ready to play in a heartbeat, you know, and that and that's one of the joys. I, that was one of the joys I was found of teaching kids um, was just, you know, and still do find teaching kids. It's just this little twinkle in their eye. They're ready to play and they're ready to dive into their imaginations at the same time as moving, you know, which is brilliant. And how do you find the... The balance between the online stories and I know you do teacher training as well, mm -hmm. which we could kind of touch on as well. It'd be interesting to hear 
how that goes against the kind of live shows and the festivals and when you're doing I know you're going to do a school tour shortly and things like that how do you what are the kind of rewards and challenges of those two aspects um well the videos are now a bit of a well-oiled machine like I feel like we've really having done them now for 10 years I know I know when I've kind of worked on a story got it got it rehearsed and ready to film got some inspiration for what the background might look like and we've got our team and we can pretty much pretty much kind of produce these really lovely looking videos that are very effective and reach a great audience quite efficiently um, when we're working on our own stuff it's a bit more complicated when we're working with a partner or you know a big brand and they, they've got obviously to have their say in what's going on and assets and stuff like that they want you to use um, but yeah and then th there's a purity obviously when you come to do it in a live context which is it always has been just it, it throws up so many unpredictable things so much interaction you know things last a lot longer when they're in a live situation um but i think now i've worked out how to kind of bridge the gap between making a it's not just a kids yoga class when i go and do a live thing it's almost like a kids yoga show so it's got songs in it and it's dancing and it's got kind of but it's got format to it and um but it still follows the same pattern as a kids yoga class with a kind of warm up and then a kind of adventure meeting a character and then a relaxation at the end. So it, it you know, it does, it follows those principles, but you just get so much more of it back when you've obviously got the kids and parents there doing it. And looking at you rather than the sort of cosmic kids a bit now, so how, what, what is your training for the, um, to be clear, I'm, Jamie's PT in in my day job. We train yes. a couple of times a week, um, which is great. So, but how do you? Um, and we've done that for a couple of years, I, I guess, give or take. Now, um, so in a sense, I know what what we do in a in a training session. But mm. for for the audience and your your training before before me, like how do you how do you bring the, or how important is that in you balancing out the kind of stress relief or you having fun and playfulness yeah. against you need to do it to stay strong for your for your job yeah I, I well I feel like it's just it, it it's the kind of um it's the thing that keeps me like honest I guess that's the thing it's that it's that thing of going if I'm if I'm strong in my own body and I know I'm doing it and it's like I know when I'm practicing yoga you know and I'm getting up and I'm doing it um it's all feeding in it's all feeding in but it, it, I'm always learning from it and one of the best things I've lo loved doing is is diving into other teacher trainings since you know my first teacher training is doing other ones and obviously now that we're, we're a much more online kind of world and um, there are great opportunities to learn with so many teachers now um, and you know I did a brilliant teacher training a couple of years ago with a, a, a teacher trainer a yoga teacher in um, Kauai because she was running, and she's a teacher I'd, I'd been to before, and I've got massive respect for her, and, and she's just brilliant, but she knows she knows so much about the science of yoga and the philosophy of yoga, and and also the kind of principles of what's going on with asana and, and the whole kind of, your anatomy. Um, she's just a fountain, so there's something so feeding about obviously going and learning, but then putting that into your own practice and then into your own movement, you you it's not your body's sort of storing up all these new ideas all the time. And the more you move, the more ideas you have. And so that was a kind of she was running an online yeah. workshop training, six week yeah. training program or something. So you 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 
challenge yourself to kind of dip into those things just to refresh. Exactly. And, yeah. And you find that gives you energy then to kind of relook at what you're doing and how you're interacting yeah. with the kids via the via the videos and yeah, things like that. Yeah, it definitely informs like that kind of continual learning always informs your kind of next move you know I mean anyone I talk to to be honest to and like I was talking to my, my sister's partner Kirsty who works for um who's about to go and train as the performance coach for Washington Spirit she's amazing so you know women's football we were away on holiday and she was talking all about women's football and I was just like this this is such a great world and her her kind of approach and how these these women are training to be like athletes and and professional football players is an incredible story and and you can't help but sort of be a bit inspired by it and think wow I'd love to kind of feed off of that as a as an idea and and lo and behold I'm now kind of building a lioness's kind of yoga story because it's just it's that inspiration from from movement I suppose and do you it, it feels to me that there's increasing acceptance of different modalities into different you know something such as football mm. 30 years ago was you know you learn football you train football and you train in a specific way and then there's been lots of you know different ways to to do that and ways to look at the body and repair and rest mm. and recuperate with yoga and ice baths and breath work and things like that that are coming into sort of more traditional sports like um like football and things like that and you're mm. you're finding that that also sort of plays through the other way as well I guess then. yeah yeah it crosses over all the time and I just think kids are kind of they're, they're always in that kind of massive range of activity whether it's whether they're at school or they're doing clubs or whatever it is but to try and just I don't know not not kind of put put the movement you do in a box and put a label on it but show that there is kind of just a benefit for them just having this relationship with movement in the, and their own bodies that's going to see them through whatever they eventually are drawn towards, whether yeah. it's football or it's playing chess or it's yeah, yoga. Because, I mean, the, the, the reality is most people don't specialise. They, no. you know, they, in their school, they do what they do. But then in their teens or 20s, they might do some sort of running but then they might get into tennis and then mm. they get into yoga and then they get into swimming so most people over the course of a lifetime mm. don't stick to one thing so that mm. ability to change and try different things and see it as play and learn is, is really important yeah. I think. and coming home as well it's that thing of like when you found your thing that you do that feels really good for you that you have that connection with then it, I mean, and that's what yoga has always been for me. It's just like, I think for, for my mum, it was aerobics, weirdly, you know, but that was her. And mine was always kind of yoga. And so whenever I do yoga, it's that real kind of sense of, ah, oh, okay, I know this place. Here I am. What's going on? You know, it's like a little kind of lovely time you get to spend with yourself, you know. And how often do you, how often do you do yoga? at the moment sort of what's your at the moment I, sh I should be doing it more like <laughs> everyone says should be doing more I probably a couple of times a week you know um, what does that look like is that you in a quiet room just leading your own practice or are yeah. you following in some instruction you just and do you go in with a plan or do you just let the body yeah I usually just start you? in a start in a child's pose and then it it'll grow from a child's pose into whatever it will be usually into a downward dog and then there's a kind of there's always a bit of a moment in a, in a downward dog where you're kind of where your body's just sort of telling you what it wants, what it needs, and then I just follow that really. And then I'll think, all right, okay, 
I'll, I'll know when I, I want to get my heart rate up. I want to kind of feel a bit of heat. I want to then also, you know, notice maybe the parts of me that are talking to me like my hips are sort of saying or my I've got I've got kind of achy shoulders or whatever it is that I'll then kind of zone in on stuff that I can do but yeah I'll generally follow my own practice I have used other kind of you know apps and whatnot and um, followed other teachers but um and I've also go to classes when I when I can as well and yoga retreats I love going to yoga retreats they're brilliant (laughs) Um, um, but yeah, it's, uh, and it is great when you go to, a, go to a teacher who can, you know, feed in other, other ideas and always from going to a yoga class, ideas will flow from them, usually when you're in Shavasana at the end. And, and how often when you're doing that just sort of self-led listening to the body, do you find that the body's not saying anything or you can't pick up what the body's saying? Yeah, sometimes, but then it's just an indication probably to try to go into another pose. That's the that's the lovely thing about yoga, I often find, is that, you know, if, you, if you're not getting it off of one pose, you can try moving into another one and then just breathing through that. And then it's usually in your breath that you kind of notice the signals that something isn't kind of feeling right or, oh, that's a bit hard. And then you, and it's like a, it's just that thing of that clarity between your brain giving you feedback on on the pose. And that teacher in Hawaii, she was used to say, she's called Bhavani. She was used to say, um, the minute you want to get out of a pose is when the it's when the yoga starts. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, and that idea of like, there I am in a downward dog for five minutes, which is quite a long time to hold a downward dog. Um, and everything's going, you just need to get out of this pose now. Like, this is done. Like, you're going you're gonna to explode if you stay in this pose. And then, but you go, well, what if I just breathe here and I kind of get myself calm again? I can probably stay in this pose a little bit longer. And then it, you're then in that moment sort of b- building resilience in, in action in a way. So how much of it or how much of your practice is mental training and how much of it is physical training? I reckon it's pretty equal. It certainly is with yoga, like for sure, I find. But I'm always looking for that in in any physical training. It's like, where's the mental kind of moment in this? You know, like, and that's often why, like when we're training, like I like doing things quite slowly, you know, only because it gives me some space to kind of, I don't know, notice what's going on or notice that my brain isn't even there and I'm thinking about chocolate brownies or something, you know, like... (laughs) That happens, you know. There's a lot of chocolate brownie chat. Chocolate brownie chat. To be fair, yeah, that's that's not always your fault either. Hold my hands up. (laughs) Yeah, so I do think there's a kind of, um, there's always the kind of opportunity for your mind to be, like, in amongst the movement. And have you noticed that change or that that difference now compared to 15 years ago? Oh, yeah. yeah. Your life's different, you're setups different your expectations are different and things like that that's evolved has that got easier to kind of recognize those bits massively yeah I think I wasn't comfortable in a way I started doing yoga in quite a therapeutic way I think a lot of people do come to yoga in a kind of moment of need sometimes you know like something isn't working for them physically mentally and yoga kind of is a is a is a bit of a um a therapy therapy session can be a therapy session and i think um a bit like pt, a bit like PT. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, with sure. all the talking therapy yeah. Yeah. as well as the sort of movement <laughs> but yeah that whole thing of going to yoga was like 
I had to sort of just get to know like feelings and senses and just start from the beginning again because I think when you're growing up and you're in your teens and your 20s you can kind of numb things you know you because you, things aren't if, if like relationships aren't working or things are your life your job I don't know something isn't working out for you you tend to just sort of push bat it away you might not necessarily want to face up to it but eventually it comes poking its little face out eventually and you're like oh okay and I've, I felt like when I stopped acting I was like oh I don't know what to do I don't know who to be I don't know what I am anymore and that, that was like the real crunch point when I started piling into yoga a lot and, and actually it was a real sense of like I, I've got to do this in order to start from the beginning oh, that's my foot, oh, that's that's me feeling a bit tight there, or that's me feeling blocked, or just starting to build that those pathways again between my kind of, um, my, my my body telling me what, what's going on for me emotionally, you know. Um, and I think that emotional development thing is sort of one of the driving reasons why I do it for kids now, because I just feel like if you could just have those emotional kind of like connections made or help to start making them when you're little, then maybe you don't end up in your teens and your 20s going down those kind of like, oh, I don't know really if I'm comfortable with that feeling, so I'll just pretend it isn't there anymore, you know, behaviours. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think that whole, um, and over the 15 years or so, have a long, 20 years of doing yoga like really seriously, um, I've definitely now gone, that's why I do yoga. Like at the start, it was a bit like, oh. But you've come to that having done it and you've stuck mm. with it and it's taken you this way and that way. But yeah, you didn't necessarily know that when you were no. getting into it. Exactly. And when I was getting into it, I mean, I was doing Bikram. I was doing hot yoga. Yeah. It's not really the kind of yoga you do to kind of really go, Find yourself. I am. Who, yeah. who am I? Yeah. You know, you're just doing it to get skinny <laughs> <laughs> and strong. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and those are some quite sort of sort of deep and meaningful and things that you come to over time and mm. come with experience and life experience and age and all that sort of stuff. How do you boil that down or bring that down to kids? So how do you try to talk about that without them going, there's a balloon over there I'm going to go and play with the balloon yeah I think by um making it relevant to them like if, if a kid relates to something you know like if they if they get this idea that if they're always panicking or something about like life if you're in a situation in a story and you reenact it like, like or actually squish the fish is a good one because I did that story and it was the first story we ever published on YouTube um, because the nursery where I was teaching were like the kids have just started and they're they're all freaking out when the parents dropping them off and there's a massive amount of separation anxiety and they're all kind of catching it off each other you know if one start one sees a parent going and they're ah, and then they've got all, all these children are crying so I was like okay so how do we do the kids kind of dealing with separation anxiety and so I thought well let's put them in a situation where we go on an adventure with this fish and he takes us to this amazing shipwreck and we're being brave because we're on our own adventure with this fish and um and then we can't open the treasure chest so he leaves and he goes so I'm just going to go find someone you just stay here and then you're on your own and you're in the separation anxiety moment and because it's so real and so raw and right and what the kids are feeling they kind of go oh this is like relevant to me. And I think when some, something is relevant to a kid on a quite a deep level, yeah. they, they don't just look at the balloon. They go, okay, this, this kind of matters. A bit like going back to the witch story. 
I'm telling them a witch is coming. She's going to steal all of their fairy dust. And it's like, okay, everyone stop. <laughs> the witch is coming. What do we do to stop the witch? You know, the focus. It's like, how do you get that focus? And you generally just create a situation that really means something to them or is kind of got some jeopardy in it. And I think that's how you make sure that it's it's got to be kind of interesting and tantalising. I mean, it's how fairy tales work. It's how they've worked you know, forever, um, yeah. you know, to create that sort of light and dark. And uh, that Squish the Fish video is still, still up? Still and... cranking, yeah, doing, doing still well. Still bringing in the numbers. Kids love it, yeah, absolutely. And it's the one I will always kind of go to when, if I have to just do a live show like tomorrow, straight to Squish the Fish, because it's just got, it's got a great range of, generally underwater ones have got lovely yoga content in them because you've just got so much choice of creatures and places to explore and movement with your body because water just allows that kind of fluidity and yeah so water and squish the fish um does well and it's also that's also the story that i get people to do on the teacher training when they're learning how to be kids yoga teachers so what does that um what does that teacher training involve how do you prepare them for spending time with kids and who are you typically training is it is it yoga teachers who want to become kids yoga teachers? Is it the general public who want to kind of learn more about kind mm. of how you interact with children and play and things like that? Yeah, it's really, we've got two courses. We've got a free one and the free one is for anyone who just wants, if, if, you're, if you're asked to go to your daughter's nursery and teach yoga next week and you're like, right, okay. And if you just need to know how to do it, then you can do a crash course in half an hour and you've probably got what you need in order to go and do that. And that's that's so that's for everyone and anyone. But it's also a great little dip your toe in the water to see, oh, do I like doing this as a thing, like as a proper thing? And that might be that you're a, a teacher at school and you've got you like yoga yourself, and therefore you sort of think there could be a parallel here because you've got all the skills to hold a room of kids together. So why not try some yoga with them? Um, so a lot of teachers do it. A lot of um, yeah, a lot of yoga teachers who want to diversify and kind of make more of you know their their teaching opportunities will also do it. Um, a lot of parents who I think you know and mums who love their yoga but um, and are looking for that kind of lifestyle business that can kind of they can go and run after school clubs and nursery clubs and hire private venues and run classes and stuff like that. So it's a real mixture, you know, of, of people, but generally they're either in education, in yoga, or they're looking for that kind of new track of what, what can you do? Um, and uh, yeah, and, and the whole training basically just takes them through a codified, basically, what do I do when I teach a kid's yoga class, broke it down, also included lots in there about a child development and children's anatomy and physiology, so that, you know, the whole thing is, and all the poses are understandable, understandable through the lens of a child's body so that, you know, everyone's safe. You know, that's the, that's the aim is it's safe and it's inspiring, you know. And how much do you have to adapt the yoga um, poses and movements for children compared to adults? Obviously, some of the more complex ones mm. where balance and strength are involved, you presumably remove or, mm. or do you adapt but try and keep generally adapt I think adapting is always available in yoga like there is 
all yoga comes starts at a very basic level you know i mean um and you build and it's a bit like any sort of movement you kind of just you build make it more challenging for yourself um you know but like tree pose for instance is a good one it's balancing pose but a hip opener and you've got your you know you can the way i teach it to kids is you keep both feet on the floor but you put your heel on top of your other your standing foot and you use your toe for balance like a kickstand. So you're getting the turn out with your knee, you're getting that little bit of hip opening, but the kids aren't all falling over on the floor, <laughs> which, you know, is great. And then, you know, up they go, lift their arms, open their arms, and then I try and blow them down, usually give them a bit of a challenge. And But obviously if that's a group of kids that have been doing tree pose for a while, they might start to think about maybe they can bring that foot up onto the side of their calf, you know. Oh, it's a bit wobbly. And acknowledging wobbles and acknowledging balance is sort of a part of it. Because I think that's that's another layer that you can miss when you're learning as an adult, is that actually the wobbly bits are the kind of interesting bits, because that's where you're kind of going, your body's doing its thing of like going, oh, how do I stay stable here, you know? So Yeah, and I, I think certainly from my experience, when you're training adults or teaching adults movements, even if it's just standing on one leg, balancing, you know, stuff that you kind of intuitively think you can do. Mm but actually you might not have done for 20 years. It's amazing how people skip the bit from not being able to do it. They expect, okay, I can't do it. Well, now I should be able to. Yeah. They, they they don't always think about the bit in the middle, the wobbles. What? Why was I wobbling? Yeah. I was wobbling because I can't balance. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, but why? The judgment what, comes yeah, in. It's, like, yeah, it's like, well, you're wobbling because... You were lifting your toes and leaning back and yeah. this, that and the other. So let's break it down and yeah. things like that. So you try and get involved in the discussion that, and the thinking yeah. and piecing all those bits together. Yeah, exactly. And I think in a way, kids are at that beautiful, vital point in their lives where they are carving all these kind of grooves in their in their neural you know world pathways, to their, yeah. their pathways, that's it, to their to their muscles and their their joints and they're figuring it all out and they're doing it and that's why the playfulness thing is so important and and often is the thing that you kind of want to pour into grown-ups more because it you know you need to forgive yourself you need to laugh a little bit you need to turn the corners of your mouth up and you know let it let it just happen um but yeah you'll get everyone in these in a adult yoga class doing a dance pose you know trying to hold their legs up and they're sort of like grimacing yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of kind of gritting your teeth for it. I think my, you know, my yoga's has come and gone over the years. It's you know a few classes here, a period here, and things like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I always there was a lot of, I guess especially sort of late twenties. There was always a lot of kind of grimacing through. When I think back, a lot of grimacing through <laughs> classes yeah. to the get faces. it through to, to yeah to win it. And yeah. you're like, well kind of looking back now it's like you're not actually winning much you yeah kind of, there's the competition yeah. thing it's like what am i who am i competing against and it's like there's someone over there who's doing it yeah. really well and it's comparing yourself all the time with with other people in the class and stuff like that and like a good teacher will just diffuse that kind of like energy and that atmosphere immediately um but it's quite hard to find a teacher who can do that but also be at the front receiving all those grimacing faces <laughs> through yeah. a class because yeah. it's like oh okay okay everyone let's just whew, try and like let that go <laughs> whatever it is you know but yeah it's um it's interesting and presumably with kids that's much easier to just yeah 
diffusing. It, it, yeah, exactly. Well, kids kind of come with that level yeah. of like, well, let's give this a whirl then. And I mean, you do see that kind of sometimes kids get into that kind of I can't cycle. Well, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. You know, and then and it almost becomes a habit that they, they're negative, that negative pattern. And, um, and in a way, you just sort of bring their attention to it. And then or you give them something that they can do and then you go, check out that. You just did that, didn't you? And it's like, oh, yeah. And they just have to kind of like feel that that change. But I think physic doing something physically where you can't do something and then you can do it and it's a physical thing, you can't dispute it. You know, it's like and that and that's so powerful. And again, one of the reasons why kids will learn a ton of lessons from going to a kids yoga class that they might not in a sort of sit down and thinky thinky way, you know. And you do, um, you work with different sort of kids with different sort of disabilities or physical and mental challenges and things like that. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk us a little bit about how how that's evolved from where you started at kids' parties, sort of where that came yeah. in and then how that has played out and how you would have to adapt things for that, for that audience? Yeah, I mean, it really started because teaching in mainstream schools, you know, I'd say one in well maybe more two three three and thirty kids will have there'll be some learning difficulty or there'll be some you know additional need that um the kids will have and so you're constantly kind of um each kid is an individual I mean every kid is kind of special in their own way (laughs) if you're going to use that word but has additional needs you know they've all because they're all developing at different points they're all at different places in there and so I just don't you can't sort of just group there's a dynamic group of people in a kids yoga class and so you just have to make sure that you're you've connected with each child I think on a level and really got them kind of understanding that you're speaking a language they understand that you know they're understanding your words and um and that they're able to perform a portion of what you're doing and and if they can't that you're adapting to try and make it work for them you know and that's the beauty of a live class is because you you're able to do that in the videos it's a bit more challenging because obviously it's um I've not got the kids there in front of me to kind of adapt to in the moment so I generally go in with an approach that is pretty much achievable by most kids and encourage kids to do what they can you know and then more and more lately what we've been trying to do is like I've done it in a seated way where we pop popped a little bubble of me doing a whole sequence just but in a chair Um, and a lot of parents have been quite grateful for that and also feedback I've had in recent five years or so is how many more kids who are either on the spectrum or ADHD you know have an ADHD sort of issue going on that they have really been drawn to the yoga and drawn to the adventures because it's the thing that enables them to focus for a a good deal of time but also get the wriggles out you know and that getting the wriggles out is quite important for for a lot of kids you know especially you know when when kids are in that sort of diagnosed place with with it with a condition like that so yeah it's um it's definitely become more because people are talking about it more now um it was just a thing that was in the schools when I was teaching you know yeah you you know the kids who are on the spectrum you just know um and you just make sure that they're they're okay and they know what they're doing and they're happy um, but now I, I think generally more people are aware of it themselves and kids are quite good. I think at self-regulating more now, I think, because oh, I hope to think that they've got a few more tools that they're, that are available to them because there's been more work and more, you know, press about it and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, 
as a kind of takeaway for 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 parents who are listening sort of what would what would be your be your kind of key message around if their kids are wanting to get into more kind of yoga and something other than just school PE how would you encourage them to to do that what would be the best I think kids really need to feel like they've chosen it like that's that's such a big part of you know when the kids like choose the book that they want to read before bed they want to read the book you know and you'll get to the end of the book you know or they might want to change the book at some point but they like they're choosing to change the book (laughs) yeah their choice the choice is so important and this is one of the things i always thought was quite good about putting cosmic kids on on video was that it gives the kids this opportunity to choose when they do it and which which episode or which one appeals to them so whether it's the one with the dolphin or the unicorn or the pirates or whatever that they they can go I want to do the one with the pirates and when the child has chosen it they it's almost like they've invested sort of 50% by that point and you're like right half of the work's done you know by just giving them some choice then i think it's a question of some kids are different some kids like to kind of feel like they're they're doing it with their parent or with their sibling or whatever and they like that sort of sense of like oh I'm also better at it than mummy and daddy or whatever and you know a lot of kids are a lot more flexible than their parents so there's a real benefit to be had by a parent joining in with their kids for the first time and just seeing how brilliant their kids are at doing it and the kid going I'm brilliant at this in fact I'm better than you at this (laughs) and I think that's another 25% of the work done because that kid's confidence in this activity is really flying and then the next part is just like the story and them getting to the end you know when they get to the end and they get that sense of achievement then then it's like you're in then it's like right I want to do that I want to do another one of those or a different one and it's I think kids taking ownership of it it being for them but also them feeling like they're good at it they've got some confidence quickly is is key but then that sense of achievement of I did it you know, I think they're the three, if you can get a kid to do that in any form of movement that you're asking them to take part in, choosing it, you know, own, owning it, choosing it and um, having confidence in it and then achieving it, they'll they'll do it again. You know, that's what I think. <laughs> well, we're here to hear, get what you think. So that's okay. right. Um, and just quickly, quick little plug, where can people who haven't come across Cosmic Kids or who aren't subscribers, where, what are the kind of best channels to probably best to go to our lovely website cosmickids.com and from there you can link out to our youtube channel which is great it's got just tons on there that you can dip in into and then obviously we have an app which is great and the app's just a lovely ad free safe place for kids to get their yoga and mindfulness in a concentrated way so yeah so lots of free content on youtube, on YouTube. then yeah. there's the paid app which gives you the kind of ad ad free stuff and then exactly. a little bit extra and more exactly. detailed stuff yeah great. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.